Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I chat with Jill Coleman. Peaceful Power Podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle, utilizing fitness, yoga, and Ayurvedic techniques. Each week, I'll bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful, powerful life. Today's podcast is brought to you by my free 28-day Ayurvedic Toolkit. This is one of my favorite freebies I've ever created, and it is going to last the entire month of February. So it is going to have um, weekly reminder emails about what your challenge is that week and daily prompts as to what you can do to help you live a more Ayurvedic lifestyle. Now, these are all geared around to better your health, so they can be from fitness things, mindset things, um, we have nutrition things. I have lots of different stuff to kind of really deep dive into, um, you know, just understanding what Ayurveda is. So if you're really intrigued by this and want to know a little bit more, this is the freebie for you. And you can find it over at andreaclausen.com backslash 28 day toolkit. Today, I sat down with Jill, who was my coach last year. I did her coaching program, The Best of You, which I highly recommend if you're in the fitness industry. And it's great, especially if you're starting out online and you don't know a ton about um, where to get started. Like she coaches you through all of that. Um, She's also a personal trainer. Um, She was a co-founder of Metabolic Effect. Uh, She knows so much about just fitness, nutrition. She has Moderation 365. We chat about that today. Um, I mean, I think this one is really going to help you if you have been struggling with just getting into the right mindset around your fitness goals, around your fitness, um, you know, body image. Uh, We really chat about lots of stuff that, um, I mean, it's golden. There's so many golden nuggets today. I can't even describe them all. So I'm just going to let you guys tune in and um, you guys can hear for yourselves and definitely take notes. You're probably going to need to rewind in a few places because she does talk about so many amazing things um, to help you guys kind of break through, especially if you need to lose the last 20 pounds. I mean, she did a very thorough job of describing exactly what you need to do. All right. So without further ado, here is today's podcast. All right. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. Today, I have Jill Coleman on with me, and she served as my coach this past year. Um, So I'm super excited to bring her on, and we're going to try out like mindset about business, nutrition, fitness, everything. So I'm going to have you kind of start, Jill, by telling us a little about your evolution with Jill Fit, because I think that is something that I really admire about just your transition from just being fitness into business. And, you know, tell us how that kind of occurred. Sure. I think anyone who like, so I started as a trainer, always loved fitness, never had like a big weight loss story or anything kind of like that. For me, I was one of those lucky people who just fell in love with exercise at a a young age. So I went through, got my degree in exercise science, got my master's nutrition, and I started competing and doing fitness competitions. Um, And so I kind of did the yo-yo crazy all or nothing dieting thing for a lot of years throughout my 20s. And while it was really a fun thing to be doing to see your body change and to be that dedicated to something, over time, it started to get um, a little obsessive. Um, you know, it's nice to see your body change, but it can get to the point where you don't feel good enough if you don't look a certain way. And, and this translates into all different things, right? We can see it in our job, we can see it in our relationships or in our body. For me, it just happened to uh, come from a place of if I don't have a perfect, quote, perfect body or look the way I think I should look, um, that I don't feel good enough. And so for me, I made a huge switch probably about seven or eight years ago and started my business at jillfit.com. At that point, I was still into fitness. I was personal training in the gym, 70, 80 hours a week, crazy kind of what I call the fitness hustle, uh, where you're running around and you're, you're training people all over the place. And it was great. And I loved it, but I was 
exhausted. And so I started my blog and I started getting home from training clients at like nine o'clock at night and started writing blogs. So I didn't have any programs, I didn't have any products, I didn't know anything about business. All I knew was I have some stuff in my brain that I can get and help people at a distance without, you know, maybe be able to reach people outside my local area. And at that point, Facebook had just gotten started. Uh, we didn't have things like Instagram or webinars or all the kind of stuff we have now. Um, so blogging was really big and I just started to get a readership because I was super consistent. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that as a great way to start now just because people are consuming uh, information differently. But back then, I was really fortunate to get in at a good place when Facebook business pages were just taking off, email marketing was just taking off. And um, I was able to transition out of the body obsession piece into being able to make it about other people. So it wasn't so much about having an ego pursuit of like, do I look good? You know, um, you know, taking selfies and stuff like that. It became more about other people and being able to share that. And over time, I think it's kind of natural that once you – start a business, you have to actually like learn business in order to keep it uh, going and to be viable. So about two or three years in, I started doing a ton of business coaching um, with different people, mentors, stuff like that. And then I started my own program called Best of You, which is my year long mentorship. So, and I've been doing that now for about six years. That's amazing. And uh, one of the things that I kind of picked up on was just like the body obsession. Cause I think that's something that really hits a lot of the women that I talk to is just kind of like, I should look this way. How, or what advice do you have for people trying to like get past that body obsession? Yeah. I mean, it is, it's one of those things that for me, I look at it from the perspective of whenever, and, and by the way, like I said, this can manifest in so many different ways. Someone who needs to have a really nice car or someone gets to get a bigger and bigger house, right? We're doing a lot of those things without knowing. And for a long time I was pursuing quote, the perfect body because I just didn't feel good enough on the mm -hmm. inside. I didn't feel for whatever reason, I didn't feel um, like my self-esteem wasn't there. If I wasn't and you know, a lot of it is learned too, especially in our culture, right? You get praised for having a nice car. You get praised for looking a certain way. You get praised for having a certain title at your job, or you get praised for being in an amazing, you know, power couple relationship, whatever that is. And we kind of start to get these and gather these affirmations and these approvals. And so I got addicted to that, like very like embarrassingly to say, I started getting addicted to, wow, you look amazing. What are you doing? When's your show? Oh, you know, you got a tear sheet in a magazine, you're on the cover of this magazine, like a lot of those kind of things. Um, and it doesn't even need to be that extreme, but you're starting to get some affirmation. And then you feel as if when you gain weight, you're chopped liver, right? Where's the mm -hmm. comment? Where's the approval? Where's the affirmation? And so you have, you go, well, I just need to go on a diet again really quick because that's the way that I know to start getting that affirmation and approval again. So it's just approval seeking. It's needing this external validation and so for me, that is about control at a high level. It's about being able to control how I'm perceived in the world, right? If I, if I can just look a certain way, if I can have a certain job title, if I can be a, a certain level of success, then I can be affirmed and I can be good enough. And I think what we notice, whether that's in any of these different pursuits, that at some point that um, it just gives out. We're not able to get the kinds of validation or uh, control the perception as much as we would like to. And so for me, on the opposite end of the spectrum is the trust piece, right? So controlling is about how other people perceive you and trying to do the things you can to gain that external validation. The other side of the spectrum is about trust. And so my journey has been from needing to control everything to just trusting in myself, trusting in the process, trusting that I am good enough, and that I'm always doing my best. So I might not, you know, be 10% body 
fat, but I also feel good in my skin. I, I have friends and family who don't care if I gain 15 pounds, right? That doesn't change how they interact with me. I'm able to still have a successful business and help a lot of people and not have to look a certain way. So you have to, I think in my mind, I think you have to go through the evolution of that. I think it's hard to just come to balance without having some sort of extreme in some capacity. Mm, yes. And for me, like having my like Eastern eye on things, I'm like, oh, that's totally the masculine that you were in. And now you've moved into like the feminine and you know, from the push to the receive, I'm like, oh, I totally can see all of that alignment. I don't know if you can, but I still feel like I'm like in my masculine a lot. Oh yeah. I would definitely, cause I know you a little bit, you know, from working with you, I would definitely say you definitely are in the masculine still, but those language that you're using around it is kind of that balance. So now kind of on the flip side, what about someone who like totally is lacking motivation and they're like, I know I need to get to the gym, but I just can't seem to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's hard because I think a lot of times what we, the reason we don't do something might be because we have a perception that we're not going to be good at it or it's going to be painful or we're not going to stick with it or we're probably going to you know give up because that's what we've always done. And so a lot of this is digging deep into like, what are the real reasons why? And, and believe me, like it is painful sometimes. Like you're sore, you're going to be sore. You have to kind of go through all that. So I understand why people don't want to get started. Um, they don't like the gym, but I would try and identify what those things, what are those barriers? Is it that you just like literally don't like exercise? It feels boring to you. You don't like the place that you go. The environment's not really great for you. It's not on your way home from work. Like, is it an, like, is it an environmental geographical thing? And identify what exactly it is. A lot of times what I find with uh, my clients is that they just don't like exercise. And so when they find something that they do like, like, I don't know, a Zumba class or a spinning class or soul cycle or something where maybe it's a group dynamic, or they're getting stronger and they're, they're, they're seeing their body transform and they're getting, uh, they're seeing their physique change. They're not necessarily losing a ton of weight, but they're getting stronger every you know, week. They're coming back to the barbell or coming back to dumbbells and they're able to use ones that are a little bit heavier. That kind of intrinsic motivation of enjoyment and progress and also having a community or some sort of support system around you. Those three things I would say are the, are the biggest things. So seeing some sort of progress, that you are getting better. The second thing is going to be enjoyment. So if you don't love it, you're not going to stick with it too. I don't care if it's not the most ideal thing. If it is something that gets you consistent, start there. Because over time, you'll start to, if you start in Zumba, maybe at some point you'll take a weight training class. And then at some point you'll go out onto the floor and use the weights there. And then before you know it, you know, you're starting to do powerlifting or something. So I think having that enjoyment piece at the beginning is super important. And then the third piece is the community or support or feeling as though you're part of of that family or part of that team. If you show up to the gym and you don't know anyone and no one says hey to you and you know maybe some people like that, but I think when we're talking about compliance over the long term, I think that's key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally see that from my gym settings that I've worked in. The people who you know would more likely you're just like hi, how are you doing? All of a sudden they're joining your boot camp class because they're like they felt that community. So I think that's good on like the training end and as you know someone who might be looking to get into a setting, maybe join that boot camp class and that's kind of your into that community. Totally, and you don't also you also don't need to go like from zero to one hundred. Yeah. Quickly, and I think a lot of people think, well, if I'm gonna do it, then I have to go all in on it, right? Or if I'm going to start an exercise program, then I need to overhaul my nutrition too, otherwise it doesn't matter. And I think that's a huge misconception. We see that all the time, especially because we're recording this in January. So a lot of people are like, well, I don't even want to bother if I'm not gonna do my nutrition too, because what's the big? And that's I think that's a super short-sighted way of looking at it. To me, if you're in the gym, you're getting consistent two or three times a week, and maybe like prioritizing weight training, 
honestly, that would be the, the, the least amount I would have someone do two to three days a week, 20 to 30 minutes. It does not to be need to be crazy, even in your living room, um, prioritizing weight training. And that's pretty much it. And have fun with it. Like whatever little bit you do does matter. Mm-hmm. I like that advice too. It's just, you know, it doesn't have to be everything completely overhauled. Cause again, I think that's the messaging that we've received for so many years. And so people come in thinking, what diet should I be on now? What should I do? Six days a week. I'm like, okay, zero to six is a little too intense. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. for, they like want it so bad. Yes. Day one, you're like, so, but like, what are you going to be in week number six or, you know, 12 weeks in of how are you going to feel it? And chances are, in my experience, a lot of people end up right back on the couch if they go way too fast from the beginning. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and then another one that I've heard quite a bit, you know, especially lately is like, okay, I've tried everything. I just can't lose these last 20 pounds. Like it's just, I'm on, maybe they're on a diet in their head or they say they're eating clean and they're working out and they're just like, I can't lose it. What advice do you have for someone who might be stuck? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, if you're doing everything right and you're not getting the results that you want, then you're probably not doing everything right. I know it sounds kind of strange, right? But at the same time, I, I'm very sensitive to not wanting to do things that make you miserable. Like just because mm-hmm. I don't think it will last. There's something, uh, there's a difference between doing something that is hard and doing something that makes you miserable. And so if you're in that, that latter camp of forcing yourself, and I had many years of like forcing myself to eat like dry chicken breasts and asparagus and just things that were like just really just kind of gross. It was dieting food. Um, you know, I think if you're going down that misery path, it's probably not the right sustainable approach. Um, but I think number one is get systematic with it. So a lot of times we change a whole bunch of stuff and you don't actually know what's working and what's not working. So you have to first become patient. I mean, I think that's a big thing is like managing your expectations. You wouldn't expect to honestly like weight loss is a puzzle. You would not expect to learn a language or learn um, a new musical instrument in overnight, right? And the same thing is said for weight loss, especially if you're taking ownership of it yourself, you're learning about your own metabolism, you're learning about your own personal preferences, psychological sensitivities. If there's a food that someone said you should be eating, but you can't stand it, then like question that. If someone tells you you should be eating every three hours, but you're like not hungry or you're starving at two hours, like take those things into consideration. I think it's okay to start breaking the rules. But I think dieting is so rife with rules that we're used to just outsourcing, listening to someone else, and we're not kind of listening to our body. And I kind of even hate using that phrase, listen to your body, because it does feel so like esoteric and you can't, it's not tangible, right? Um, So for someone there, I would change one thing at a time. Get systematic with it. I always preferentially start with training changes. So if you've been doing the same workout program for months and months and months, do something different. If you've been doing more cardio, then do less cardio, a little bit more weights. If you've been doing maybe metabolic conditioning workouts, change it up and do some more bodybuilding type stuff. If you've been doing bodybuilding type stuff, maybe change it up and do more sprint training or cardio. Change it up because your body, if your nutrition stays like this and your training changes, your body's of course going to respond. And so start with that. I would give yourself at least eight to 12 weeks on a new training regimen, changing nothing with your eating, and watch what happens. I, I, would, I would say probably take photos, take circumference measurements. I'm not a huge fan of getting on the scale, but I think if you take circumference measurements like weight, uh, waist, hip, you can kind of see what some of the trends are and your body will change as a result of training. Six to eight weeks in, start looking at your nutrition. What certain foods help you feel satisfied so that you don't eat as much crap later 
right? What are these kind of like leverage foods, or I call them preemptive cheats, things that when you sprinkle them in, maybe you have cheese on your salad, sure, it adds more calories to that salad, but it's going to maybe prevent you from eating a whole thing of Oreos later in the day or later in the week even. And so figure out what foods leverage for you so that when you do them consistently, you stay more on track. And so it's what's about, what's sustainability? And also just get your mind right for the long haul, right? You're not going to lose 30 pounds, 20 pounds in, you know, 12 weeks. You're going to lose that in a year. And what's a year given the like 10, 15, 20 years, many of us have spent dieting and doing these up and down programs and program jumping and stuff. What's one full year to learn about yourself and never have to need a program again? Mm. That was like golden information. I hope everyone goes back and listens to that again and be like, okay, this is why I'm stuck. Like you just gave a ton of explanation of how to like kind of troubleshoot themselves. Um, yeah. And I totally agree with like, listen to your body. Cause actually, I think I did a podcast on that and teaching that. Cause I had a friend who was like, I know you keep telling us about that. Right. In Ayurveda, they're really strong on that. And she was like, I don't know what that means. She's like, I literally cannot understand, you know, like I, I understand, but I don't know what listen to your body means. So I like that you kind of broke it down and was like, well, this is, this is it. This is how you do it. Um, cause I think a lot of us think in those regards, like tangible, what can I do? Check it off. Got it. I never remember like when I was dieting and stuff and I was really had a lot of rules I was following. I never would think to myself, like, am I hungry right now? Or am I, how full am I right now? Or am I craving something right now? Like those questions never even came into my mind. So this is like a mindfulness practice, right? I was just like, Oh, time to eat, time to eat, time to eat. It was just so <laughs> rule-based, um, that I actually feel like I got stupider as a result of that. <laughs> I, you know, it's like funny. I feel like it takes away our power mm-hmm. We're following so many things. And honestly, like I haven't followed a diet in like eight years probably. And ironically, my weight and my dress size has stayed the same throughout that time. I think one of the biggest things that people are scared of is if I start to listen to my body or if I don't follow a plan or if I start to break some of these rules that I've heard, then I'm just going to blow up and gain 50 pounds. And that was me. Remember, it comes, yeah. back to the thing. it comes back to the control thing. As long as I put these foods in my mouth that this expert told me to eat, I'm guaranteed success. And we just know that that's not the case. And so when you start to trust yourself and you start to trust yourself around different foods and uh, social situations, you're starting to give up that control and I think that the fear is that you're just going to go off the deep end. And in my experience, that doesn't happen. You have, but you have to show yourself that like you can go for a week without prepping every single meal and being on a plan and, and watch yourself and now have that, that body of evidence that you can handle it. And then over time, you start to trust yourself more and more and more. So, um, and when I was dieting, I was, I was going like this. I was gaining and losing the same 20 pounds every year, multiple times. Yeah. And those are, I mean, these are all kind of your principles of your moderation 365. Those are all kind of your backbones of, you know, teaching women that, uh, is there anything else that you would tell people about moderation 365 that you're like, if you're looking to start, you know, really tuning in? Yeah. I mean, there is, um, mainly I use four different tools, uh, versus against moderation. That's basically like when you sit down to eat, you're navigating the middle. So it's not, this is like so super depriving and it's not like I'm eating everything I want. It's like navigating the mill. It's like, okay, I could, you know, make this a little bit more satisfying. So I use what's called satisfaction factor, which is like on a scale from one to 10, how satisfying is this meal? Satisfied doesn't mean stuffed, right? It doesn't mean it's not the same thing. So you're like, gee, Jill, I could be satisfied eating a dozen donuts. Like that's not what we're talking about. That's like stuffed, right? So what is the satisfaction? Again, I gave the example of putting cheese on your salad or avocado on your salad or eating some nuts or nut butters. We don't typically, these things are healthy by the way, but we don't typically think about them in like a very light diet, tight diet. Um, 
you know, not having a whole bunch of fees, but honestly, you can use those kind of things again as leverage. You're going to get to the next meal and feel that much more satisfied. So you don't need to overindulge or, or reach for the Oreo or the chips or whatever. Um, and so the first is moderation. The second is mindfulness. We talked a little bit about that. It's asking yourself those questions. That's practice. Uh, the third is the abundance mindset. So an abundance mindset is um, realizing that anything is available at any time. I feel like a lot of women have urgency. I, I work with women. Urgency, scarcity around food, like there's not going to be enough of it. Or I need to have this now because I'm never going to have an opportunity to have it again. Um, when you start to see those mindsets of like there's not enough or this, you know, uh, this is grandma's special pie that I need to have because it's so special. When you start to notice those things, just remind yourself that food is available at any time. If you're someone who doesn't share food, like that's probably a red flag that you need to practice this. Um, and then the last piece is what I call DNCs or daily nutritional commitments. And when we talk about leverage, uh, these are three every day that help you stay more on track. So if you have like a protein shake that you love, that's enjoyable, healthy every day, protein, big rock type stuff. So you're not trying to follow 20 year olds. You're just getting to Yes. I mean, I think that's, that's key again, breaking it down to just simple things first. Like let's do it all. You know, let's just start with three things. Like, <laughs> you know, yep. lay out the foundation. It so isn't a lot of it's changing people's mindset around food. Like, you know, food dieting is it's marketing, you know, mm -hmm. so like, you know, the best marketing that food has is our own like weird thoughts about it. Right. Like that's, that's really like the best marketing that there is for food. It's like our food obsession, the, cal the constant calculations, um, the constant thinking about it, the constant making of it. I mean, you know, how much protein, how much carbs, how much, how many ounces of water, how, you know, my stress, I mean, all of that stuff, you're trying to manage your stress and that's way more stressful than anything else. And so finding a way to, again, listen to your body, eat more intuitively, but that's also, there are also tools that you can use. It's not just like you wake up one day and you're like, oh, I eat intuitively now, right? It takes a while and it is a practice. Hmm. Yeah. Um, how do you kind of go about then, you know, just because you have so many different areas that you're kind of managing, how do you manage like your life, your business and everything and deciding, you know, how much do you share personally and what do you hold back on? Like, how do you kind of go about doing that? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for asking that. Um, you know, one thing that really helps is getting this food stuff under control because honestly, like 10 years ago, if I had tried to start my business and grow my business with what I was doing with eating and exercise, I could never have done it. I was doing two to three hours of exercise a day. Um, I was constantly thinking about food. It was a full-time job. Like, like physically it was a full-time job because I was eating, making stuff, washing dishes constantly. Um, or I was thinking about it. And so I just couldn't have done that. So one big thing was starting to automate my eating a lot more. So the amount of time and energy I was spending on it was a lot less. Um, the second part is, um, I would say around food and exercise and then business wise, like managing that, that's really where my biggest passion lies at this point. And I think it's okay to like have seasons in your business, you know, whatever you decide that you'd like to talk about, whether it's business or mindset, nutrition, fitness, um, whatever it is, but it's all in the, under the umbrella of Jill fit or, you know, my company, which is kind of nice. So you can, as a personal brand, it's, I'm really lucky that I can kind of take my interest in whatever direction that I want. And I can just like bring some people along. Um, we can have those conversations in terms of, but it, it does like, to your point, it does get, uh, it can get a little bit exhausting because you do have to constantly be sharing. You have to constantly be telling stories and your experiences. And again, those ways are great for resonance and, and really connecting with people over the internet. But 
sometimes you have things that you do want to keep private. And so the way that I manage that is a lot of times I will share something, but I won't share it until I've kind of worked through it myself. Um, I recently went through a divorce a couple years ago. And, you know, while we were still figuring out our stuff, I wasn't about to like last Facebook with like the minute up to date in real time what was going on when I didn't even really know what was going on exactly. So, but once you can, once that's like a closed door, once you kind of got the lessons, once you're in a place where, you know, you have a, a good relationship with that person, then it's like, okay, we can start to share this now in more of a capacity where it feels like it's useful and uh, for other people. It can't just be about me, right? So it's useful for other people. So I, I only share something if it has utility for someone else reading it. Either they get an insight from it, a tool, a strategy, or they just feel connected because of it. Um, but of course, there's some things that I still don't, probably won't necessarily share, like being single, like I'm dating. So that's awkward. And, <laughs> I mean, it just can be whatever, right? So my good friends obviously know, and we, and we dish and stuff like that, but that's not something I'm gonna probably bring into Jill Fit, unless I, I mean, Never say never. Maybe I'll be a dating expert in like 10 years from now. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yeah, that's one thing that I think that, um, you know, even like coaching with you last year, like helped me open up about just being like, I don't have to be perfect. Because I had, um, gosh, it was probably a couple years ago. And I remember I ran into this client and I trained her daughters and I was getting like a donut, which I don't usually eat, but I was, I think I was newly pregnant too. And so like, I was like, I want a donut. And then I ran into her and she's like, should you be eating that? Like you're a trainer, you shouldn't be eating this. And I was like, what? You know, I'm like, this is crazy. And so I think like just showing people that no, we're human and we have like, we eat donuts too, or, you know, drink wine and you know, all of that stuff, like just showing that side of it, I think, um, you know, makes you more human and makes that connection a little bit, you know, it makes that connection period. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things why Danny J and I started our podcast, which is called The Best Life Podcast, is because we want to normalize a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, we spent a lot of time together. We're very in similar situations with our businesses and also in our, our life. Um, she kind of went through something similar in her relationship. And the reason why we felt so compelled to have some of these kind of, mess, I would say messy conversations, but very real, very honest, very raw conversations on the podcast about things like, divorce, relationships, honesty, and fidelity um, is because we want to normalize all of that stuff. We know because we've, we've had literally hundreds and hundreds of emails from women saying they've been through something similar or, you know, they've never told anyone this, but they had an affair or uh, the person they were with had an affair. They've been together for 25 years, like all this stuff. So I know it's happening a lot and I, I don't, hope it's not happening a lot, but but it is. And I want people to feel like there's nothing wrong with them (laughs) if they're in a relationship that is not great or they don't have to stay in a place where they don't feel valued. I mean, and of course, I'm still an advocate for marriage and relationships and I I hope to find that again, but I, I feel a lot of freedom from having those conversations, like bearing my soul and allowing for other people to feel understood. Because like you said, I don't think we get to see a lot of the behind the scenes or we don't get to, to see a lot of the very realness that is going on. Mm-hmm. And that as a coach too, like you have clients who say, who can find new things that they would never say out loud. They certainly wouldn't put it on Facebook. And I hate that we have so much shame and guilt and embarrassment and self-disgust even around some of these things. And I had that for a really long time too. Um, and I, I want to have those conversations more and I want to make it more mainstream and neutralized and normalized. Mm, yes, I that's I think it's so needed because I've had many conversations with clients who have told me things that they're like nobody knows this but you, you know, and it's just like that escape, you know, for people to just release and let it off their chest and be like, oh, 
And then when you're like, cause I have, you know, work with a lot of moms and they're all, you know, they're like, thank you for sharing your experience. Cause I just felt like I was awkward and off in this Island. And you're like being okay with like being not okay. And I'm like, yes, that's, I mean, it's totally normal. And just accepting that. Uh, I think that that's our, I do think that we are obligated. If you're in this space, if you're someone who is, you know, trying to do online business, you're trying to build a personal brand or you're someone who has, maybe has a little bit of influence. I really feel like it's like, we're obligated to like, to, to do that, to show people that it's okay to give people permission to not, uh, uphold this like super, per- if that's your personality, I just never met anyone who's like that, but if your personality <laughs> is like perfect all the time, that's fine. But I feel like personally, it's my duty to pull back the curtain. And I feel like it's a huge service and I feel like it is uh, our responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I can't bond if they don't pull back the curtains. Like I just feel like they're hiding something and then just makes you I don't want to invest in them. I'm like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> it's so true. And you know, there is this thing that especially, and I love this because things like Instagram stories and Facebook lives are making these conversations like so much more raw. So I work, you guys, you know, I work with clients who are just starting this year and a lot of them are really scared to do Facebook lives. And they're like, well, I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want people to like see me in a certain place, whatever. And I'm like, you do realize that like, that's why they tune in is because it's like your living room, right? Like you don't, it doesn't have to be like this perfectly polished, you know, you're in like a blazer giving a talk at it. You know what I mean? Like they want to see what's going on in the background. They want to see like your partner come in or your dog run by or whatever. And I love that that is more accessible Mm -hmm. and becoming more mainstream. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, what has been kind of like one area in your life, you know, just kind of wrapping up, I want to know like what major thing that has like helped you grow throughout the year. So as you've been running your business, what's been that one thing that you've really felt really pushed you? Um, one thing that is currently pushing me and I have to, I'm super going to be super transparent the last couple of years as I've been going through my relationship stuff. Um, I've been pretty safe. I've been playing it pretty safe. Um, but just recently over the last few months, I've been surrounding myself with people who are like really, really successful, um, in different capacities. And I'm kind of scrubby in those, in those spaces, you know, I don't have as much experience. I don't have as much success. I'm not making as much money. And for me, I'm really, um, having to check my ego and Mm -hmm. I, and I'm really enjoying it from the perspective of, I feel off kilter. It feels awkward at times. I feel, um, you know, humbled, very humbled. Um, but I'm really liking it. And so that's really growth enhancing for me because for a long time I was kind of just surrounding myself with people that I was teaching, whether it was not necessarily clients, but even like friends and family who were asking me about how do I start my YouTube channel and stuff like that. And I was kind of always being the one to be giving the advice. Um, and so now I'm around people who are like real ballers and I'm like, holy shit. really making me grow and it's really making me level up and I'm not playing safe anymore um in terms of my business and the things that I'm trying and and stuff like that so that feels thrilling to me Mm, that's exciting yay I can't wait to see (laughs) um and then because you are amazing at picking good books like do you have any good book recommendations for people um you know the one that I really liked recently is Ronald or Donald Miller it's building a story brand so if someone is listening and is interested in like, I mean, I, I'm like such a nerd. It's mostly personal development. You can see in business books. Um, so if you're looking for fiction, I'm probably not your gal, um, but, but I'm liking that book. Uh, I'm trying to think of another one that I just read. I mean, always my go-tos are things like Byron Katie's work, which I know you, you probably know are familiar with the four agreements. If you're just getting into personal development work, I really recommend Sean Acor. 
he has a book called The Happiness Advantage. And if you're someone like I was, that was kind of skeptical about mindset work. When I first got into it in personal development, I had never read any personal development books. I was like, oh my God, is someone going to see me in this self-help section of Barnes and Noble and think I'm like a weirdo? Like I was very nervous about starting to do self-help for a long time. And so I was like, well, let me start with like some science stuff. Let me start with some like positive psychology because there's actually a lot of research behind it. So I started digging into his stuff um, and I started digging into like habit change. And there's a lot of research on like meditation and, and things like that. And so that was really interesting to me. And from those books, I started moving into more of like the woo-woo type books that now I really enjoy, more of the spiritual type stuff. Um, so if you're just getting started and you feel a little bit skeptical about personal development or anything, Sean Acor's books are great. Charles Duhay has, has um, the book on habits. I know you've read it. Yes, I have. Um, isn't it just habits? It's called The Power of Habit. Oh, yep, yep. Yellow cover. Yes. And yep. then Kelly McGonigal's book, which is The Willpower Instinct. So those ones are really good if you're interested. If you're truly interested in changing your habits in terms of changing your life um, and doing things that are maybe a little bit scary. I love those. Yeah, those are great recommendations, especially if you're not woo-woo. Because I started off my journey when I was in college with a woo-woo book. So I started off right away with Dr. Wayne Dyer and, you know, just went from there. So I have always been like all boring. I still can't quite get through like Eckhart Tolle. Like he's not quite my speed. Yeah, he is intense. Yeah, it's a, it's like, I'm like, I have to read that page like three times. Um, but I do like Byron Katie's work because she is like very real in my opinion. It's not like backed by science or anything, but she has a, a four question formula that she uses that helped me through like a lot of personal kind of like maybe relationship type struggles and, and, and feelings of feeling good enough. Um, so I definitely recommend her books. Mm, yes. And then your podcast should be hopefully up. So this is going to air at the end of January. So hopefully the best life podcast with Danny J is going to be up on iTunes. So look for it there. Um, anything else to add on your podcast? I know you touched about it a little bit earlier. Uh, I mean, honestly, like, like everyone, I would obviously love for you guys to listen to it, really review, subscribe if you enjoy it. We are doing a closed Facebook group. So if you just search the best life podcast on Facebook with Jill and Danny J, um, join us in there. We have a good group going. We have some good discussions going. We're going to start debriefing after all the podcasts in that group. Um, so Danny and I sometimes go live in there. It's a free group, but if you just like want to be around other people who are like interested in having these types of conversations, that can be a little bit sticky and a little bit messy. But if you're interested in like sharing in a totally safe space, um, that is probably the best way if you guys want to continue the conversation. I love it. Yes, I'm in there. It's fun. <laughs> I know. I think I'm excited for these, uh, these couple of recordings. They're uh, the first we, I think we've recorded like five or six now. So, um, are you guys just going to do just you two or are you going to have guests ever? We're going to have guests. Yeah, we're going to do some alone. We'll do some together and we'll have some guests as well. So some variety. So yay. And once a week podcast, will it be? Or a couple times a week? Uh, probably as much as we can do. So okay. no promises, but probably a, uh, definitely probably at a minimum. And I'm definitely, I'll definitely pick your brain if we have any bugs or we need any help on things. I'll send you to my podcast editor who does any of the tech stuff. I'll be like, Tim, Tim's your guy. <laughs> Uh, so final question for you. Um, I always end with a weekly challenge. So when I have guests on, I have you guys kind of throw out a weekly challenge to the listeners. So what would you like that challenge to be for everyone this week? Wow. Wow. We have so many, you know, I like putting people on the hook. Yes. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know what? Okay. If you are, cause we did talk a lot about nutrition and stuff. One of my favorite things 
So I have a whole bunch of homework assignments. I have a program called the 4E Food Obsession Bootcamp, and I have a whole lot of like homework assignments and tools and stuff like that. Um, one of the things can be really scary. This is only for people who feel like they're a little bit obsessed with food. If they're in the camp of, I just can't have it around, I just polish it off. Um, one of the biggest challenges and most effective is exposure therapy. So they've used this in all sorts of different studies, especially around mindfulness training. They take, they'll take people who are obsessed with food or people who are trying to learn moderation and they'll put them in a line on an all-you-can-eat buffet and practice mindfulness because at that point they can pick anything they want, right? So it's exposure therapy, being around these foods that maybe we're scared of, exposing yourself to, I know for me it was peanut butter. I could eat a jar of peanut butter and like two days. So I'm, I just can't even have it at my house, right? That's the, the kind of 1.0. The 2.0 is being able to have a jar of peanut butter in your house at all times and have it last you a week or two weeks, right? And so my challenge, for those of you guys who feel like you're in that place and kind of want to learn a little bit more about moderation, be able to have a couple bites of something without having to polish the whole thing off, have the food that you're scared of in your house this week. So you go to the grocery store, grab the Oreos or whatever the thing is that you're like, oh, I just, I can't have that in the house. And I want you to practice something called intermittent sampling. You can go to Jill Fit, Google Jill Fit intermittent sampling, there's a whole blog on it. And basically it's just a method for how to take some of it and then walk away and then come back and take a little bit more and then walk away. And the whole time you're doing this, you're practicing mindfulness, right? So if you end up polishing the whole thing off, like it's not the worst thing that can happen, we've done it before, but this will help you build some mindfulness around that. So the outcome might be the same. Maybe you finish the chips in like two days, but you have some mindfulness practice and it does work over time to practice this stuff. So this has worked so, with literally hundreds of my clients. They're like, I can't believe that I'm able to have like ice cream in my fridge. I would never have been able to do that a year ago. And so this is a little bit of an exposure therapy challenge. See how you guys do that sounds intense, and I totally am going to have to try. I was <laughs> yeah. like, uh, peanut M&Ms come to mind. <laughs> Honestly, like I had this, I love Reese's Pieces, and I had this big old bag someone gave me for Christmas, and I would just like once a day, like go buy the bag, take a big old handful, as many as I could fit in my hand, once a day. And it lasted me like three weeks. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's a really good challenge. We have not had that one. So this will be a good one for people. I think it will surprise you. Then you guys will surprise yourselves. I, yeah, I think so too. Um, well, thank you so much, Jill. It's been such a pleasure having you on. Oh, love to see your face. Yay. Have me on. Oh, yes. Um, so everyone check out her podcast and um, I will be back again next week with a solo show. So everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.